looking for a podcast about nothing, then you are definitely in the right spot. Join Ross Peterson and Mark Charter each week as they discuss life, current events, and the things you are not allowed to talk about at work. Okay, hang on, because here we go. This is Ross and Mark, Jump the Shark. Jump the Shark is sponsored by Charterhouse Real Estate. Charterhouse can help you save thousands when you sell, and we can help you buy your next home as well. Google Charterhouse to see hundreds of great reviews or learn more about us at charterhouseiowa.com. Now here is the show. I can feel it all the way down in my plums. And with that, we're off. And ready to go. We didn't do a podcast last week, Ross. We didn't? Nope. We didn't. I, I, did, I, I did one. I honestly thought that we did. We didn't. I did one. Huh. Um, I did an interview, which has not been released yet. Um, I'll release that soon. I did an interview with a CEO of a company called Self-Publishing School, which uh, was an acquaintance of mine. He's got a famous brother. You wouldn't know him by name, but he's in the band Need to Breathe. And... Uh, is in that band, and his name is Chandler Bolt, who I interviewed um, for a few reasons. I like the entrepreneurial story. Right. He has one, but also I think a lot of people out there do think they want to write a book or could write a book. His company is specifically about helping people do exactly that. Great so, idea, because you're right. Uh, there are a lot of people that want to do it, and the thing that holds up most people that I know that could write a book, that could actually write a compelling book, that could, could maybe even make some money, yeah, uh, is that publishing hurdle. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a huge hurdle. The self-publishing thing is is a huge movement right now. It's a great idea. It is. You know, and, and it is one of those things, Mark, that making money writing a book is very difficult. It is. Yeah. You're not going to just make a living doing that. Yeah. I, I think that people often think, oh, I've got an idea for a book, but it's not going to be as popular as uh, Harry Potter. <laughs> so they so they stop doing it. And it's kind of like, well, I'm not going to shoot baskets because I'm not going to be Michael Jordan. I'm not going to learn to play guitar because I'm never going to be in Van Halen. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's like, do it because you want to do it because you mm-hmm. enjoy it, et cetera. So I'll be releasing that one. Uh, that was a fun podcast to do. And uh, and I like to do the interview ones. One thing that we I, – I don't know if I ever talked to you about this, but this was kind of on the docket and then um, kind of has gone away and maybe, <laughs> maybe it'll come back. But I'll tell you why I'm torn on this. I like doing the interviews – during the Fawcash years, we interviewed uh, Chris Soles, The Bachelor, and yep. we did Matt Campbell and Keith Murphy, and we did a bunch of one-on-ones. And I like those, and I always have. And the the goal for me is just to try to interview people that are entertaining and informative, and I think the audience will get something out of them. Right. One of the ones we had talked about um, doing was Catherine Sears, who made the news two years ago or a year ago um, – Memory escapes me on that one. But she was the Des Moines attorney that went to Vegas to be a prostitute. I remember her. Yes. So I reached out to her a few months ago. I reached out to her and I said, you'd be interesting to have on to talk about that journey because at the time she was married. I don't think she is anymore. I don't want to say definitively because I'm not sure. I I would have no idea. But... um, and she was on KCCI News, so this was an actual news yeah, story. They went and interviewed story. her. And her husband at the time was and, on the And, was on and the her news, husband, and she story. went out to um, 
Nevada for a while and, and would go out there for a period of time and be a prostitute. And, and, uh, so I was thinking this is, this is just the type of thing that's a fascinating interview for me. Right. And if we're going to do it right, we're going to ask the questions that I want to ask, which are the questions along the lines of, I can't believe charter asked that question. Right. That that's, that's the interview that I want to hear. Right. You know, what, 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 what's the most requested position? I mean, those are the things I'm going to do. So anyway, I reached out to, to Catherine on Facebook and she uh, vetted me in her own way and then got back and said, I, I asked around a few people know you and said that you're legit and would do a good job at this. And then we just didn't connect on, on getting it done. And I still have interest in that. The, the, the issue is as is always the issue with this podcast, how far do I go? Meaning this is its own thing, right? Ross and Mark jump the shark as its own baby. We can kind of talk about whatever. Hey, Bensie, quit yelling. Bensie's <laughs> in the background yelling right now. He's working. Man, he's a loud talker. This is an office, man. Trying to make money. So the, the question is, how far do we go? Because, because, and I'm cognizant of this, you and I are in living rooms competing for, uh, you know, to, to get a listing or to get a new yeah. buyer. And the other agent that was just in there is like, man, did you know they have a podcast where they talk to, talk about prostitutes? Yeah, talk to the, yeah, right, right. Yeah, so so we want to bring a, a fun episode to people. We want you to be informed. We want you to look forward to when we release these things. But there's always that limit, right? And I'm happy to get your take on this, Ross. And I know you're just entering real estate. You're not running the firm. You've got some different concerns <laughs> yeah, than I do. Right. <laughs> but it, the question is, do we do we go down those roads? And I'm not even talking about this one specific one. You can use that as an example. But is it worth it? Right. Okay. Is the juice worth the squeeze? A couple things with this, Mark. I think, number one, you probably have enough stuff out there that's like that, that you... And you've you've made it this far without you know without being too concerned about it. Yeah. Um, I think you your image is okay. Okay, you're gonna be all right. I think I'm in like you said I'm in a very different position. Not yeah. that people think you know. Not that I've been squeaky clean my whole life by any stretch, but I that I wouldn't ask those questions. And I just and that's just naturally I yeah. would not ask that question. It's a great question. You're right. And is, I'm it, now, is it and more I'm now because you're from the radio world? And you can't ask those on, no. on your regular radio job? No, Mark. I think this is a, I think there's something internal in this. Mm -hmm. uh, Travis Justice is a, is a great example of this. Travis does exactly what you're talking about and what you want to do. He wants to ask those questions that in his mind, and, and you would justify it the same way. You would say, everybody's thinking this. Oh, 100%. I'm, I'm just the only guy that's willing to say it. That's, 100%. And, that, and that's not the case. I want you to know that that's not the case. Yeah. I'm very rarely, I was not thinking that. I yeah. was not thinking what, I mean, I was, I'm really more intrigued about what happened in your life that led you to prostitution. Yeah. Rather than, hey, once you got a John in the room, what's the creepy or kinky stuff they want to do? Yeah. It's a great question, and I'm not I'm not dismissing it. And now that you've brought it into my brain, I'm intrigued, and I want to know her answer to that. Yeah, Travis Justice is like you. Okay, he's gonna he's gonna ask those questions, but the where you guys both make the mistake is where you just did thinking 
that everybody yeah. is like this. Now, obviously, there's a huge section of the population that is that way, that that is going through their brain because you're saying it, Travis is saying it. Yep. So you don't have you, you don't even have to worry about alienating that section of people. Yeah. If a Travis Justice is out there getting ready to sell their house and they hear you say that, it actually endears you to them. They go, yeah, Mark is like me. Yeah. I'm going to make the phone call to Mark. Yeah. And you're able to do it, Mark, and it comes across so natural because it is natural. That really is you. You really are the guy that has people send images to your wife and all that stuff, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's not me. And I couldn't do that. And I couldn't imagine doing those things. Yeah. So if I tried to do it, it would come across as disingenuous and it would also come across, you would know when you heard it come out of my mouth that it shouldn't be there. Because it would come across like this. Can I, can I ask you uh, <laughs> what, 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 the, what, what position do you guys like? What's the biggest wiener you've ever seen? Can, I, can, can, can we talk about that? I see another one. I wouldn't even have thought about asking once. Like, I want to know, like, uh, like, yeah, what do you, what do you do when? Uh, okay, th this so, would not, okay, this would okay. not have been a real Mark, question I would Mark. have asked. But you're in the room and he pulls it out and it's God, it's really, you. it's really ugly. What do you do? So that was. Okay, you and I just are, a reminder, are, are this thinking show's about not for kids, by the way. <laughs> you and I are thinking about something along the same lines, but we would have approached it different ways. Yeah, you want to go right head to on, it. man. You want to go right at it. Hey, Let's tell me the weirdest. It. Tell me the weirdest wiener you ever saw. <laughs> I would say something like, um, I have this perception that the type of person that purchases your services, yeah is the type of person that is not confident enough to talk to a woman on their own. Mm. What I'm really trying to say is, yeah. do you see a lot of small ones? Because I would imagine you do the, that the guys that buy your services yeah. aren't very well endowed. Yeah. And, and first of all, is that, is that premise wrong? Of course it is. Yep. Second of all, but what the right way to, it, you, you know, how do you get to the gist of it? When you, when you have a prostitute in the room, how do you talk to her? You say, hey, what's the biggest Johnson you ever saw? <laughs> this one? <laughs> Where do I stack up? Flop. Yeah. <laughs> My friends call me flop. Rate me, rate me one to three. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, well, if we don't have the interview, at least we talked about the interview that we never had well, so i just think that's a good perspective hi how you doing fedex is here mark hey fedex come on over we're just recording a podcast i'm not sure can he come over is he allowed to yeah come he over? Go, uh oh, are they closed next door yep i'll take it i got it you bet kyle we've got your package here um so yeah but and i agree we we do approach it from a different per perspective and honestly it's it's probably good when you have Two people doing a show that aren't approaching things exactly the same way. Very much better than the other. If, if it were just you and I in here going, yeah, man. Yeah, and then we'd ask her about this. Yeah, and then we'd, I've, I've been in, I've been the, around radio shows. The Mark and Travis shows. podcast been, would be a complete <laughs> I've been wreck. around radio shows where it's like-minded people. Yeah. Too like-minded. And it, it's not, that, that isn't fun either. You can't have two opposites. A lot of people think that uh, a, a broadcast podcast has to be people presenting conflict. That's yeah. not the case either. It's just there's a chemistry, man. It's a there's a dance to it, and it, it, sometimes people just can't dance very good together. I was going to ask you if you've heard of this term. Uh, give me a second while I'm looking this term up. Okay. I, was, I was having this conversation. Medi medical term? No, no, not real, a medical term. Real estate term? Because I, I I killed it on my real estate test. So if you if you got a real estate term for me, how much did you uh, pass that by? You kind of flew flew through, right? I got by a, a by one question. 
Oh, so barely. <laughs> one of them I passed by two, and the other one I passed by one. I think I did the. I think I passed the state by one and the national by two. Passing's passing. That's right. That's right. Got my license, baby. So while, while so what I'm trying to find here, by the way, is is what's called the recency bias. No, a recency illusion. It, it's got a name that I was just looking at last night. Hmm. Um, this is the. It's a phenomenon. It's something. Something. Something phenomenon. And I'm trying to Google as we as we do this. Man, phenomenon is a hard word to spell. Yes, it way. is. You're not. Uh, what? What can is? You, can you come up with phenomenon? How would you spell that? P H E N O M E N O N. Yep. Um, man, Google's really let me down. Um, this is a. It's a. It's a German term, and it has to do with uh, some <laughs> some group, some terrorist group that took hostages back in the 70s. But it's the. It's when you. Um, Think to yourself, maybe beforehand, I don't ever see any uh, red cars on the road, right? And then you go and you buy a red car, and then suddenly you see red cars everywhere. Or you hear something one day, and then the next day you hear that phrase again. Mm -hmm. You're like, oh, it's so weird. I just heard that yesterday. I'd never heard that phrase before in my life. And then I just heard it two days in a row, and I've heard it three days in a row. It's because we're not cued in to that thing. And yep. once we become cued into that thing, there's a, there's a switch that flips in our brain and suddenly we're noticing it. And the reality is we were always noticing it, but we weren't noticing it. If, yeah. that, if, that, if that makes sense yeah, to you. Yeah, recency perception bias, something like that. I know what, kind of what you're referring to there, but I, I completely know what you mean by... I found, uh, I found it, by the way. And I think, Mark, this... What, what's it called? Uh, it is called, I think it's, I think it's pronounced batter, batter Mainhoff phenomenon. Mm. Another name would be, uh, let's see. And the, the phrase itself has nothing to do. It's not those people didn't invent it or come up with it. It's just that it had, it, it came from like a 1995 St. Paul journal, uh, chat room or something. Where people were like, I'd never heard of this before until I heard of it. Now I've heard of it several times. And they were talking about this event that happened, I think, in the 70s. But yeah, Bader, Mainhoff, or Bader, Mainhoff Probably phenomenon. If it's, if it's German, it's, Be it's uh, Bader, Mainhoff. Didn't yeah. I just hear this is like the, the title of the article. Um, but I, I found this interesting. I think we've all done it. We all do do it. It's a, it's a real thing. You said do-do. <laughs> I did. So... And so then tomorrow when somebody says, you just said doo-doo, I'm going to think back to today. Yeah, right. and I'm like, go, I never oh, noticed man. that. Everybody yeah, mentioned everybody this, th this thing. Yeah. Um, but that type of stuff fascinates me. I think, Mark, that there's a part of this that happens when everybody's convinced that their phone is listening to them all the time. You know, Bensie and I will talk about... This uh, is what happened. Well, my, my sister, this is what brought this up last night. Oh, really? What happened? My sister... Uh, put something on the social media. My wife was reading it to me and said, this is so weird. I was just thinking this, and now I'm on my phone, almost as if my phone is reading my thoughts, mm -hmm. which obviously it's not doing that. I don't think we're quite there yet with technology. But, and, and people, so there's a, there's a truth to this, and there's, there's a myth to this. There is truth to the fact that you can be in your kitchen, having a conversation with your wife, 
and you're like, man, I could really use some Oreos right now. And then you go to Facebook and you open it up and there's some ads for Oreos. And you're like, that's so weird. How's that happening? The truth element to that is if you have an Alexa in your kitchen or something like that, it is listening to you. And I can target ads towards you. So when you get online, it's going to send you what you were just talking about. Hey, honey, I think we should really sell the house. Well, if I bought the ad term sell the house and Alexa, it's heard you say that. Because you have to remember, Alexa is always on and listening. People think it's not because you're not talking to it. Well, she has to be <laughs> listening, right? Otherwise, how, how could she turn on right. if she's not listening? Right. So, so there is some truth to that. But the other part of this is this Bader-Mainhoff thing that we're talking about which is like, why is that happening? Well, it's probably always be happening, but the fact you were just thinking it has brought it to the forefront of your mind. We talk about documentaries a lot. Have you guys seen The Great Hack on Netflix? Yes. It's about 45 yeah. minutes long, super good. And, and everybody should watch it because it talks. It's way more than 45 minutes long. Is it really? Yeah. I thought it was a really no, quick one. I think that one dragged a little bit. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. well, I, it, I enjoyed it. I remember that. Maybe yeah. I turned it off after 45 minutes. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. I do quick. remember the... The really cool stuff in there was about this, about data analytics and how, you know, the machine learning is happening, i.e., or what, not i.e., uh, um, uh, what am I thinking of here? What's the uh, AI. AI, thank you, where it's artificial intelligence is really good. Okay, so here's how that works. My, our, my phone, my Apple phone right now is not, it's listening for me to say the magic two words. Siri. Yeah, don't say it, don't say it, because it'll beep at us. It's, so obviously it's listening at all times, but it's not taking all of that data and processing it and waiting for me to, to, yeah. okay, here is something that is happening right now. My phone knows that I'm sitting about six feet from Adam Bentz. Mm -hmm. It knows that I'm a big fisherman and it knows that Bentz is a big fisherman and it's smart enough to know. And it knows because of sites you've visited. Exactly. And, and just because, and what, and yeah. right. All the stuff that we've purchased online, what we yep. do, yeah, where we go, and it's smart enough to know that he and I might be talking about fishing stuff. So when I leave here, there's a very good chance that I'm going to get some sort of Berkeley ad or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then it's very easy to go, I was just talking about that Rapala lure with Bensi and now it's showing up. My phone was listening. No, your phone's really smart. Yeah. And all this stuff is really smart. So I think that's the, the Bader-Meinhof thing is a part of it. Once you once it's brought to your attention one time, mm -hmm. then you notice it all the time. Also, we have AI that's really good at knowing what we're talking about yeah. and what possible topics. Like, you know, anyway, so I think that there's there's a lot of things combining here at one time. That's a good one. The Bader-Meinhof I've never heard of. I like it a lot because I, it's that's very true. Are you completely okay with the exchange that we need to make nowadays for the benefits of technology, free technology that we get to enjoy, use, et cetera. And especially as you get into real estate, you're going to appreciate free tools like Facebook where you can right. get the message out, et cetera. In exchange for, they know you. And they, they know Mark, everything. listen. If, they know everything about you, okay, Ross. They've two, got you figured out. Two different conversations. Number one, it doesn't matter if I'm okay with it because it's happening. Yeah. Um, was I okay with it? If, if we could go back 15 years and say, all right, Ross, we're going to give you the magic wand. No, I'm not okay with it. And, I, and again, if I do a podcast called Missing in the Metro with the Des Moines Police Department where we talk about cold cases, yeah, I know that this information is not being used to protect us. Mm -hmm. If you could convince me that if, if you, again, if you gave me that magic wand, that I could maybe convince you or the, P, or the powers that be that 
all of this information about where we are at all times and what we're doing, it could be used to protect us. Then I'd sign up for it. Yeah. It's not the case. In fact, when the police department shows up at Sprint and says, help us out, yeah. it's a it's a huge hurdle. Yeah. And there's all sorts of constitutional reasons for that. And I, I'm, a, I'm a libertarian guy. And you're, and and you're glad that's in place. I'm though. glad that's in place that we can do that. My point is, it's all, all of these tools that we, none of us would have agreed to. They're all out there. It's all being accessed and it's all being used against us in a way. It's being used to sell to us. Yeah. It's not being used to help us out or to kind of protect us in any way, which I think it could be. Now that again, that's a very slippery slope also because yeah. you're still monitoring people. Then it's who determines what's safe, what's not safe, who right whole nother who's in whole charge of ball the rules. Of, yeah, right. Whole nother ball of wax. But yeah. if you ask me, am I okay with it? No. Am I but I, but we don't get to decide now, man. Like when well, I leave you, this you office, you get to decide Mark, in that I don't have a Facebook account. You know, that's how dude, you decide. That, if you think that that you're either in or you're out. No, if you think that that's the type of thing that gets you in or out, then you are grossly underestimating what it is we're talking about. Here, I'm going to give you an example. Yeah, um, I could delete my Facebook account right now. My Twitter, I could take both my Gmails down. I could throw my phone into the toilet back there and walk out of this office. Okay. I've just eliminated my digital. You're off the grid, baby. I'm off the grid, baby. Guess what? There is a, uh, what's the gas station in Caddy Corn from here? Come and go. Come and go's got, uh, got cameras on it. They do. Okay. And those cameras will see me coming out of this office. They'll see me get into my car and they'll see me pull back out here onto the intersection and they'll see which direction I go. Now, going west on First Street, there are businesses for what, seven miles it seems like five miles going yeah, west a long time yeah uh, going east i might be a little bit better because i yeah. get out from the inter end of the interstate and now that's the last that they'll see me my point being that from here to my house which is by roosevelt high school you're tracked they know where i am when i am if an if an amber alert comes out and they say we found a, there's a red jeep cherokee and this is the license plate the cameras on the freeway that the Iowa DOT have access to that you can look at on IowaDOT.gov, yeah. they keep every license plate for 24 hours. Yeah. So if I've committed a crime, they can go back and say, Ross drove under this camera at yep. this time uh, on this day, right? So the ultimate question is this. Those that give up liberty, liberty for security deserve neither. That's that's the the, the old, the old yeah, quote, yeah, like right? even the old like phrase. a Madison or something. So the question is, do you believe that? Because extreme example, we both have children, right? If I could guarantee you that your child is never going to be able to be successfully abducted, might be taken but found right away. Um, and the exchange is cameras on every corner in the metro. We just have cameras. If you're out in public, you're on camera. Period. Yeah, right. Do you say, I'm signing up? Okay, again, and I hate, I hate to do this, but I got to dissect it, okay? Because, A, the, the premise almost exists. Just do it do it before the break. You got time. The, so. the premise almost exists, Mark. There are cameras all over the place, and they're not, they can't guarantee me that. Keep in mind, one of the breaks in the so, um, in the Molly Tibbetts case was a camera. Absolutely. That's why, and, and uh, man, a whole other conversation there about why Molly Tibbetts was in the news so much, because people yeah. are like, well, it was a pretty white girl. They want to talk about it. No, there were breaks. There yeah. were pieces of information that kept coming out. 
There was a camera. They were they had a suspect. They had a vehicle. Yeah. And all this stuff came out in such a way that it kept the story alive in the news cycle. They were finding breadcrumbs. Exactly. There's yeah. been there's no breadcrumbs in a lot of cases, and then those cases go cold, and then people scream racism. Yeah. And and yeah. So but so Mark, I would do that. Yeah. If you said to me, Ross, we're going to put a camera on every corner, and your kid's going to be safe. I'd say you got cameras so many places right now. Yeah. Anyway, as long yeah. as they're not in my house, I'll sign it. Mark, we live. I live. Close enough to the playhouse, I cannot see the Des Moines Playhouse from parts of my house. Okay, mm-hmm. but those parts of my house can be seen from the playhouse, hmm. and I know that because an officer told me. Okay? Inter- interesting conversation there, was, there. There, there. There was a crime that happened in my neighborhood. It yep. was a it was a severe enough crime that they went to the local businesses and asked them for their footage footage and a friend of mine knowing where i live reached out to me and said hey this is kind of funny you know your neighbor's peach trees scraping on your shingles (laughs) okay okay psycho just an example of what they can do and when when they get access to it they can do it so i'd say it's already out there it's just not even being used to the way that it could be or, or maybe should be but maybe mark as i'm you know maybe that's a good thing like we want to have we want to have freedoms. We want to have securities and safeties and privacy. Yeah. And I want to be able to go to my neighbor's house and have a beer without the cops being able to find out that information if they if if they want to. The ultimate question is what is the expectation of privacy? And I think right now, so as we talk about this, I think right now we're actually in a pretty good place. Yeah. Um that you can sign up for this, the thing that Des Moines cops have. Have you seen this? Where like, Mm-mm. if you are, if you have a ring doorbell or any sort of security camera, yeah. Not that you're giving the cops access to it, yeah. But you can sign up on a network that says, "I've got something." That's all okay. it says. All it says is, "I've got something." So they know to come to you. Exactly. If there is a crime in your neighborhood, they can come yeah. to you and say, "Hey, we." You signed up for the deal. Can we have access to it? Now, ultimately, the question becomes with that is, do you trust them? That's the question with because all Because it's stuff, easy man. to say, we're not going to look at anything, yeah. right? But can they? I mean, that's that's the tricky part. This is an old, uh, 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 from the Jan Michelson days, man. Anything that you use as a tool can be used as a weapon. Yeah. It all depends on the craftsman. And, and that's politics. This happens over and over and over with politics, where... Somebody would say, I mean, I think, look at the last two presidents, because anybody out there, I mean, what, 80% of the country is divided amongst uh, uh, Trump and, and Obama. Sure. And if I said to you, there was a president that was going to take all the guns, and he'd have all the guns and all the power. Mm-hmm. Most of you out there would go, well, as long as it's not that guy. Yeah. I'd be okay with it. Some mm-hmm. of you, I should say that. But sure. my point being, everything that everything in politics is this way. Like uh, gerrymandering, you want to start drawing lines on on congressional districts and doing it in, doing it in funky ways. Yeah, be careful because mm-hmm. someday you're not going to be in charge. Yeah. Someday that pen's going to be in somebody else's hand, and you might not want this to be a tool in their toolbox. Well, that's the problem with politics and why everyone thinks they're all hypocrites because they can all point back to the video footage three years earlier yeah. when you were on the opposite side of something and saying the exact opposite thing because it suited you then and doesn't suit you now. Right. That's why all of them are guilty of that. We all are. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's frustrating, frankly. Um, you mentioned guns, which was uh, a, a, a trigger. See what I did there? Huh. A trigger for me. I uh, started watching a new Netflix uh, series. I don't know how many parts there are. Waco. Have you have you seen Waco yet? 
Uh, is it a documentary? It is not a documentary. Okay, then I have not seen it because I've watched a couple different documentaries. Do you get into those show. shows, like no. the reimaginings no. of them? Can't do it. I like it so yeah. far. I'm three episodes in, and I'm and I'm very familiar with Waco. Um, Ruby Ridge kind of led to to Waco, and Ruby Ridge was in Idaho, um, and that was months before. Um, all, all this stuff is somewhat interconnected, but Ruby Ridge was. Um, the ATF um, went and shot this guy's wife. He was holed up in a cabin, uh, very white supremacist um, area that this guy was holed up in. And then months later, Waco happens, another ATF uh, debacle uh, in Waco. And from Waco, do you know what event sprung from Waco specifically? Uh, Oklahoma City bombing. Oklahoma Timothy City bombing. McVeigh. Yeah, Timothy McVeigh was actually in, now, in Waco now, when that happened, kind of as a spectator. There were people I wanna, gathering. I want to slow down for a minute because you, you just hit one of my hot buttons and a huge trigger for me, which is Ruby Ridge. Yeah. And Randy Weaver. Yeah. That's the guy who was whose wife and, and the shot his wife in the killed. face. Yeah. Do you know where Randy Weaver lives? Currently? Currently. No idea. He's probably about 50 miles from where we sit right now. Oh, really? Yeah, he's in Boone, Iowa. How long did he serve in, in prison? He did not go to prison. At all? He was found no. innocent? No. Dude, he got... I don't, I don't remember that story and how it got, ended. He won the lawsuit against the U.S. government. Okay. As in he wasn't doing anything, there was no well, crime. No, not that there was no crime. I believe the... Let me, go and, let me go and check this, okay? Because I believe the U.S. government was actually found to have committed... Um, oh, gosh. What's the word I'm looking for here? Entrapment. Okay. With him. Um, I, I pulled this up because I want to, I want to find out if I'm right about this. I don't believe he ever did time. Uh, talk about yep, an it. It's an interesting interview. Yeah, you go, that would be an amazing interview. And I don't, he doesn't talk much about stuff. I mean, obviously it's yeah. he, the guy left to go up to Idaho because he wanted to be secluded. He wanted to get away from everybody people and crap and problems. And now I wonder what brought him his entire boom. world. He was born and raised here in oh. born and raised West of Ames came home. And yeah, let me see. I'm on his Wikipedia page right now. I'm actually on, I'm on the, uh, Ruby Ridge Wikipedia page. So it's a little bit different. Anyway, yeah, he was acquitted of, of any crimes. Uh, the crime that he was um, accused of was refurbishing weapons. Mm -hmm. um, he had uh, uh, a neighbor that asked him if he would saw down a shotgun, and Randy had the skills to do that and wanted to make the money, yep. and it was illegal to do that, but he did it. Well, it turned out that the neighbor, that this person that actually asked him to do this was an ATF agent, Kay. and that they... You can't ask a person to commit a crime and then arrest them for doing the crime that you've asked them to do. Okay. Um, and so that was, and in the in the process of trying to serve the warrant to him, they ended up killing his wife and kid. And That's dog interesting and to me because let me use another worker. example. Not not that you're a lawyer or a cop, but the way that you set up that premise. So, cops acting undercover like they're criminals go out and ask somebody, "I'm going to give you money to." kill my wife they agree to do so they then arrest that person for agreeing to do so and yeah I, and mark I, no different I, I, you're right i'm not a cop or not an attorney but i think that there is something to do with uh um uh oh gosh what's the word i'm looking for here if is there precedent for it 
has the person sought out other people to commit that crime? Yeah. Um, and Randy Weaver had never done this before. Yeah. He had never done it since. The only, I think that that's a part of it. So it's kind of like the prostitution thing. Like the cops the can, go down, that the they cops set can up. go down and do that because there's a reason you're driving around that neighborhood at that time of night, pulling yeah. over and stopping and talking to a person. There's a reason that you're coming up to the door to, to, to talk to a gentleman yeah. through the window and negotiate. You know what I mean? There's yeah. There's... There's at least some sort of precedent and, and 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 underlying circumstance there. Sure. Whereas the way I understand the Randy Weaver thing was that he was approached by this person that said, yep. "Can you do this?" And he said, "I've got those skills and I need some cash." I can do it. Yeah. Yeah. I did not know he lived there. That's. Yeah, it's why, dude. I love the, the Randy Weaver Ruby Ridge story. is a fascinating one. We could do this for hours because Dad being a Vietnam vet. Yeah. We talked about this a lot. Randy Weaver was a Vietnam vet when he came home. Um, I think it's even part of his actual discharge from the military. My dad always called it a brainwashing that basically when they came home from Vietnam, they had to walk through all their memories and what was happening. And they were basically told, well, you weren't really there. Yeah. You didn't really go to Laos because we never went to Laos. Yeah. It's like, well, yeah. Yeah, I've got the mud on my boots still. No, 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 no. You you must be misremembering. Yep. Uh, that date can't be right because our records show you weren't in that, you know, you weren't in Da Nang on yep. that date, so your memory must be wrong there. Dad always said it was a brainwashing. Randy Weaver refused to go through that okay. part of his um, uh, discharge from the military. Yeah. And so Dad always had this kind of connection with Randy Weaver, always loved that story and the fact that this guy just tried to get away yeah. And the trouble still found him. And Wasn't some criminal mastermind. Like no, no. People might think of him. Right. Um, you know what would suck? I assume he's not watching it, but now that he's... Because uh, I, I, I did not remember the end of the story, right? I'm thinking, okay, when he went to prison, but apparently did not. Um, you're sitting home cruising Netflix, and you see Waco on, which you think would be about Waco. And you start watching it, and his story's in there, including... His wife getting shot, dying on the floor. That would suck. Yeah. To have to live through other people retelling your story and showing your story. Oh, those are supposed to be my kids. Those are supposed to be my wife and have no say over any of it. Yeah. And it hitting you out of nowhere like that. Yeah. Like you say, you you maybe even tuned in to watch something completely different. And all of a sudden it's like, by the way, Randy Weaver. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So... Yeah. So anyway, wow. the, the the Waco thing is, um, it's very similar. They did one with uh, OJ a while back. The what, one that had Cuba Gooding Jr.? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, yeah which that. I did not think he played a good OJ, to be honest. But um, the guy playing David Koresh in, in this one is good, I think. Obviously. Looks like him. Looks like him. Yeah, yep. Koresh is a lot more of a common look. They make, so far in this documentary, they do not make... David Koresh looked crazy at all, at all. They they they're bringing him off as a um, sane, rational, um, nice character. They, okay. Um, yes, he's a polygamist. Okay. Now wait a minute. Takes uh, multiple did, wives. Does the does the this docu drama yeah. talk about how he ended up at uh, the Branch Davidians? Uh, and how, but, he en- but, how he ended up in charge of that group because it's a creepy story. Not really. It okay. delves into his past. Man, maybe it will, but right. it delves into his past a little I bit. I don't want to spoil it for you, but I'm going to give you some insight yeah. here that you'll want to know. The Branch Davidians exi- existed long before David Koresh. They were actually started by this old couple 
that were just as crazy as Koresh and and also thought that they were in some way in line. Koresh thought they were that four, the, the, the Bible talks about seven seals being opened before essentially Jesus comes back, before yep. everything gets kicked off. And at least in this, what I'm watching, he believed that four had already been opened and the bloodshed element of this was the fifth opening. So he was kind of telling his flock, we are going to have bloodshed here in order for this fifth seal to be opened. That was the message that he was telling well, people. He was a prodigy. When he, I mean, he's a brilliant, brilliant. Apparently had the Bible memorized. Apparently. And, that, and e- even if you can fake that and yeah. make people believe that you had the yeah. Bible memorized, you've obviously got a brain inside yeah. your head there. Yeah. So he shows up as a pretty young man on this compound, and he's uh, devoted to his religion, and this is an extremist part of the religion that is uh, a doomsday scenario religion. The old man passes away, and Koresh starts a romantic relationship with the woman that runs this compound. Mm -hmm. And I mean, she's like 80s or 90 years old, and he starts an actual sexual relationship with her, if I remember the story correctly. Uh, and then when she dies, he basically takes over the f- compound and the flock and does what you what we all see as the Branch Davidians now and that whole entire compound is because of Koresh. He's the one that built the structures there and kind of yeah. did all the stuff and why it looked all janky. You know, janky because it was all just additions to additions to additions yeah. to additions. No giant plan mm-hmm. when they went into it. Um so yeah, very interesting backstory about that entire scenario, and then um, how that all played out. I mean, there's there's very few good guys at the end of that story. It's really weird. Yeah, so I think I'm about halfway through it, um, and that's one that I do remember playing out live when it was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a I didn't remember the standoff being quite so long. It was 51 days. Wow! I holy of, cow of a standoff, which was 51 days in the news. You know, with all with all that going on, um, and ultimately, Mark, that's longer than we've been on lockdown. Yeah, yeah. I I would not have guessed if you would have just said, "All right, trivia about it, Ross. How long did the standoff?" I yeah. said, "I was like, it was a long time. It was like five days." And one thing I didn't <laughs> remember, and I, you know, you can't ruin things for people that are that this old. I mean, if you don't know, you don't know. But he was shot immediately, <laughs> like as soon as the raid happened, he kind of opens the door. And again, this is a perspective of the movie. He walks outside. He's like, hey, there's women and children here. The, the way they showed it, like a dog starts barking and the ATS starts firing. Mm-hmm. So he gets hit like in the stomach like immediately. So he would have been surviving 51 days with a gunshot wound, which I don't remember him being hit now, I right off the re- bat. I, I, didn't, I wouldn't have known that, but I do remember there being a deal where he, now that you say that, I do remember that he was... Um, hurt inside the compound for a while yeah wow man yeah so it's just weird yeah so do you have a disconnect you can't it has to be totally real for you to be into it documentary yeah. only yep you did do you think they take too many liberties with the story it bothers you uh i don't know what it is mark i've never I, i've never put my finger on it. documentaries do this all the time i mean you documentaries they show perspective are, exactly it's still a movie and you're still being making a murderer. I assume you watched that. And loved, devoured it. Loved making a murderer. And did, you, did you walk away going like, "This guy's innocent"? Oh, yeah. And then there's the other side of the story, which is like, they didn't say this. They didn't Dude. tell you this. They didn't tell you know all of that. My cousin, in fact, he's going fishing with Bensie and I. Yeah. My cousin's husband works at the jail in Manitowoc. Mm-hmm. So they were. They're like when that when that thing became blew up. We were like, oh my gosh, you guys have to know this story. 
and they were filling us in before we were done with it. They were like, no, 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 no. Stephen Avery is way guilty. This is, you guys are being sold a bill of goods here because yeah. they had lived through it. They remember the trial. Yep. They, they saw all of it play out and know all the details of it. So we were at least, but yeah, that's a great example of it, man, that you, you walk with Tiger King. How many people walked away from Tiger King and are like, screw Carol Baskin. Yeah. And I love Joe Exotic. Carol Baskin. One of those is in federal prison. Yeah. It's the guy that you're rooting for. Yeah. That's in prison. I am, I am also, I, I'm on team Carol only in the aspect that I don't think she fed her husband to a tiger. That's just me. Don't, well, at, well, don't, would, don't at me. I'd say you're right on being on Carol's team, but you're wrong. She definitely fed her husband to a tiger. I just, uh, yeah, that'd be tough to do. You gotta be, you gotta be a dark person to, I love the to fact do that. That the husband said to his best friend, if I can pull this off, man. I can pull this off. Yeah. It'll be the greatest thing I've ever done. And then poof, he disappears. He disappears into the tiger's mouth, as they, as they say. But according it, to Ross. Costa Rica, Belize. There was never any evidence he was there. I heard something. I saw a follow-up that TMZ did. It was an actual show, an hour show, that said yeah, there was I no that. It, it said there was it. like no evidence he'd ever been to Costa Rica. Like part of the story was, oh, he went there all the time, et cetera. And they're like, no, there was no evidence he was ever there. So I don't know. That story was he was up. obviously banging his secretary too. Yeah, she was. Carol Baskin was better looking than the secretary, by the way. Not fifteen years ago. Did you see the pictures of him yeah. back in the? Did yeah, you see know. the picture of him from the mid nineties? I probably didn't want to. The, the secretary was kind of cute. She really was. Carol Baskin was never attractive. Okay. Well, she had that Hillary thing about her. <laughs> that you want to go deeper on that? The Hillary thing. I I don't know what it is. It, oh, you mean you mean unlikable? I got it. Yeah, and, and not even unlikable. I just not attractive. I think is probably, you know, I. I you weren't attracted to Hillary Rodham back in the day, no, back when she was a never. law student. No, I like I like power. I just not. Speaking of Clintons, do you want to get mad after uh, part part one, part two of uh, the Last Dance for Bill Bill Clinton's appearance? I heard you weren't buying that. What absolute crap, dude? Come on. <laughs> Uh, I just I just want to get you riled up. <laughs> the last dance is the Jordan documentary and they or the the Bulls documentary and they talk about Scottie Pippen and the fact that he went to Central Arkansas, which was an NAIA school. Now Scottie Pippen not only went to an NAIA school, he was not even recruited as a basketball player. He was actually brought in as an equipment manager. Total nobody. Grew six inches between in his time there and found the game of basketball and was amazing and ended up being drafted. Now, in the documentary, as they're telling this story, because Scottie Pippen was at Central Arkansas like 83, 84, and 85 or something like that, mm -hmm. mid to early 80s. At that time, Bill Clinton was the governor of Arkansas. Mm -hmm. So they go talk to Bill Clinton about Scottie Pippen's career and Bill Clinton says, oh, man, it was just wonderful. We'd go down and we'd watch Scotty play down there. Central. That would be like Kim Reynolds saying that she goes to watch Grandview basketball. Yeah. Grand, Grandview has won nine straight national titles in wrestling. Well, let me, I, I'm going to do a little geography their here. Their football what, what, team. What was the name of uh, Scotty's school? Central Arkansas. Okay. We found out the other day it was 35 miles from Little Rock. Is that what okay. you were going to look yeah, at? Yeah, that's what I was going to look up. Yeah. Find out. Yeah. logistically, it made any sense at all. Right. How often does Kim Reynolds make it to Ames for, for athletic events? I'd imagine time to time, a couple times a year, right? If that. If, if that. If yeah. that. She makes it a couple. Of, and I'm supposed to believe that in the mid-80s, Bill Clinton, 
who's laying pipe all uh, over town. I can't get enough. Is taking time, yeah, to go down to watch NAIA and basketball. The best part is they've got video of it. looks Looks like Zabruder film. Yes. You know, it's it's grainy. There's nobody in the gym. <laughs> right. Watch this guy and like, I want to go back to the footage and try to find a bill. Well, like, you'd be able to because his security guards would have been uh, combing the crowd for yeah trim. <laughs> like it, it's like I want to know. Here's here's something. So put yourself in the shoes of a documentary filmmaker, because not only did they get did they get Bill Clinton, and so far in the in the two hours we've seen, there, there's twenty seconds of Bill Clinton, right? Yeah. Then there's twenty seconds, or maybe a, a, a thirty seconds of of former Chicago resident Barack Obama. That's what it says under his his screen time. Former Chicago resident. So my question is this, do they happen to have these guys for other projects? And then they're like, Hey Bill, Bill, here's the deal. We're doing this Michael Jordan thing. We want to ask you a couple of questions Boy, about Scotty Pippen. That's a really good question. There's no way they scheduled time Mark. with Bill Clinton. They're like, we're going to talk about your Scotty Pippen memories. Let's block off a couple hours for this. Like how the hell do they get Bill Clinton to do it? You know, I hadn't even considered that. Um, yeah, dude, that's a really good thing to think about. And one thing I could instantly consider, there might be somebody on that production team that is friends with Clinton, had some sort of favor to call in, had worked with him at one point in time, and, and, it, and it isn't quite the favor that we're thinking about. But you're right. You're talking about a couple of hours that you'd have to go find him, set up the equipment, set up the cameras, set up the lights. For your one question. Talk to him, get him to get his guard down, get him to feel comfortable, Get him to reminisce. You're talking about several hours of commitment if you wanted to All get for a something that didn't even need to be in the documentary. Right, right. For something that honestly pissed me off when I saw it because I'm like, well, this is obvious BS. Yeah. Obvious. Yeah. So I'm now I'm going to be curious. I might even have to go back and look at the Clinton 20 seconds again or 10 seconds to see the setting. Yeah. <laughs> because I think you might be right. I would imagine there's another documentary coming out in six months that's going to be about, you know, who knows? I'm going to see if I can find him. We'll Some get, other person. That's really good. I hadn't thought about it. Mark. I'm looking up IMDb here real quick. I just wanted to see if I could find yeah, and honestly, a producer and, on this thing. And I do think that having Barack Obama makes so much more sense. Obama is the most famous Chicago resident on the planet, planet, no matter when he lived there. He could have lived there for two weeks. He's the most famous Chicago resident on the planet. Yeah. He's a basketball guru, loves him some hoops. Mm -hmm. So he's the world's most famous basketball fan. I think it made all the sense in the world to get Obama and get him smiling on camera, get his take, get a quick memory of as, him going. As a former Chicago Yeah, and, and I thought that was brilliant to do that. The Clinton thing, I'm almost wondering now if it wasn't more of a, hey, guys, you know who I could get? <laughs> So you look at you look at this. You say, "Okay, let's let's solve this puzzle, man." You know, I like being a, a detective. When I quit real estate, I want to go be a detective. Uh, so you always look at producers. Who's producing this? One of the producers on this series is Peter Gruber. Peter is chairman and CEO of Mandalay Entertainment Group. Uh, super, super well known. Very, very well connected in the celebrity world. There you go. So Peter probably calls Bill. And says, right. And I would thing? imagine Mandalay has probably helped out with the production. Maybe they're the ones that helped out with uh, the Obamas documentary. Like there, yeah. There, there's there's certainly ties there. That's a good catch on your part. Yeah. So, um, what did you think of it? Overall take. What was your? I, I was I I was blown away, man. I thought it was awesome. It it, it wet the appetite for more. Yeah. 
It did. I, I was I was I digested it later. I asked you your opinion on this because the buildup was this is all about the 97 98 season. It's the behind the scenes footage of this season. I haven't really dived into the season that much yet. I'm glad. But they had a lot of background and your yeah. point was and this is true. Um and, and I was glad they did it in retrospect. My nine-year-old's watching it. I think your nine-year-old's watching it, right? So it gave perspective on who Michael Jordan was, yeah. which we take that for granted. We yeah. know Michael Jordan, right? We could have started. We could have started at 1997, and they could have yeah. said, okay, you guys remember Jordan and Pippen and Rodman, and here we go. But I did not remember that he was NBA Rookie of the Year. Yeah, I didn't remember that he was we, that We were like good six when that happened. Out of, out of the gate. Um so it was good perspective to do that. I think from here on out, we're in the season. They've got eight episodes so. left. I don't know how much more background they're going to be able don't to, need much to, more. to do at this point. Um, but I'm looking forward to it. I, I'm a. What'd you think of the Chicago traveling crack circus or whatever it was? Uh, cocaine. <laughs> the cocaine. Cocaine circus. It should have been called the cocaine train. Would have <laughs> rhymed. I would have liked that better. Um, it's the 80s, right? Isn't that what the 80s is known for? You know, I bring up the name Lynn Bias. Uh, Would have been, could have been one of the greatest players ever. You know, top pick, killed himself, cocaine. I mean, it was just the the era. Um, as somebody that has not done cocaine, I'm not even winking at you. I actually no, mean that. Never done it. Um, I never understand the draw because I haven't done it. But I'll never forget a buddy of mine who had done it. I was asking him. What is what's it like to do cocaine? He said it's like Christmas morning. <laughs> that's very, that's a, and, ever, and ever since then, I'm like, I get it. I, I, you know, Christmas morning's fantastic. So it must be really, really good. But I'm afraid. Uh, you know me, Ross. I'm a risk taker. I'm. I'm. Screw it. Let's let's go for it. Let's let's do that thing. Quit being a wuss. But there's just something about. All the drugs except weed. Weed's my exception, right? And no, I don't smoke weed all the time, but I have. Um, and I'm like, man, but what if it goes wrong? I just do not want to be known as the guy that died snorting a line of coke. <laughs> that, oh. that went bad, dude. I don't want to leave that legacy behind for the kids. Yeah, there's. I think you're right, Mark, uh, on a lot of that. But one of the big ones is like how... I somehow perceive weed differently than all those other any because it's grown anything it's right else that you would call out of the drug, earth. Yeah, you know? if uh, if I walked in here one day into the office and a couple people were sitting on the couch smoking a joint, I'd think it was odd. Yeah, and I would I would be like, well, that's we don't we don't allow smoking weird. In we here, don't by the we way. don't normally see people smoking weed over on the couch. But yeah. okay, yeah, interesting, yeah. If I walked in here and somebody was doing a line on the table, I'd, I'd leave and call you and be like, dude, there stuff has some, something stuff going has, down. Yeah, something bad is going down, man. Oh, I see. Are you sure it wasn't just, you know, Tylenol? It gets in your system quicker Listen, for a headache? Mark, they were chopping it up and snorting it, dude. Maybe it was Tylenol. Maybe it was children's Flintstone vitamins. They were chopping it up and snorting it, man. It might have been pixie sticks, Mark. They were chopping it and snorting it. Do you ever wonder how we get in and out of these fads, by the way? Do you watch, Do you like the movie um, American Psycho? Have you seen that movie? No, it has Christian, Christian Bale. Bale. I've heard that it's... It takes a, place in the 80s, yeah. and they have scenes where they're all doing coke together yeah. and, and all of that. And I'm like, when did it go from that was kind of considered normal to not anymore? 
You know, Mark, I'm people always, don't hang I'm, and do coke. I'm always blown away by the cocaine conversation. Um, I think I've maybe talked to you about this on the podcast. Uh, guys that I used to um, uh, tailgate with at the Iowa games, all of them very good friends of mine, guys that I know well, yeah. and I and I thought I knew their vices pretty well. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them, one day, we're at a game, and he's like, "Hey, Ross, by the way, man, want to go do a bump in the." In the car, and I'm like, what, like knocks? What? Like you? Know, what are bump, you talking bump, about? Bump fists? Are... And he's like, oh man, he's like, yeah, I've, I've been, I've been bringing coke to games for years. I was like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? No way. So I think that I think part of it was my friends kind of knew that this just that just wasn't my thing, and so yeah. there's no reason to 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 show it and brag to yeah. Ross that it's here and and yeah. put it in his face. Um, but I think the other part, the other thing that I realized there, and I've realized this a lot. Over the last couple of months, even yeah. cocaine is very prominent in our community. I I don't disagree with you, and I'm not going to say I don't I don't know anything about the drug facts and statistics of Central Iowa. You hear it's the meth capital of the world and all that crap. I think that's gone. Here, here, here's that's here's the truth, though. I'm 41 years old. Went to college um, at Iowa State. Didn't go to Co. No, went to a big went, school. Went, went to Iowa State. Did all that. Whatever. Not to bag on Co. I'm just saying it wasn't a small school. Here's the truth, though, and you know me well enough to know that I tell the truth on these things. I have never in my life seen cocaine. I've never seen meth. I've never seen any drug that you can name other than weed. Yeah. I've physically never seen it. So because of that, I'm like, how prevalent is this stuff? I mean, people are either not doing it in the numbers, I think, or they're just not telling me <laughs> about it when they're doing it, not doing it around me. Never seen it. And I'm not saying I'm guessing that's you a, have seen it. That's but. a good. Oh yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, more than I would. And I've I've had friends that have had, um, you know, some pretty bad experiences in their life, and and have are luckily now in much better places than they were. Yeah. Yeah, Mark. I mean, I've smoked weed. Uh, I've done cocaine. I've seen cocaine, obviously, a lot in my life. I never saw meth. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know that I was ever around meth. Like I don't know that I was ever around somebody that was that had it with me i i'm you know i'm an east sider i know a tweaker when i see one and yep. i know when i see somebody else spun out yep um but that was i was never at a party and had somebody say hey man let's go do when i was a kid we called it crank yep um and some of the girls in my class kind of got into it early on because it was like uh it wasn't a dirty drug back then it was a way to lose weight yeah and then we quickly learned that it was a really dirty drug and it got a real nasty connotation. And that was when I remember it was going from crank to meth. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Mark, I feel like we've had these conversations a lot because I, I've, I've been, I'm, I'm not proud of it in any way. And that my mom and dad hate it when they listen to stuff and they hear me talk about this because yeah. my mom and dad are very much anti-drug. Yep. But man, I'm like you, I'm a risk taker and I wanted to live life and I, yeah. I, there were very few things that I wanted to have people tell me about. I wanted to experience it and then know firsthand what I was talking about. So how about. was the my friend's description of Christmas morning? Uh, it, to each their own, yeah. Mark. Coke was never something that I worried about being addicted to because I didn't like the yeah. feeling. Coke's, I, Coke's a social drug. It gets you gets you up. And I'm I already have that. Uh, yeah. This is the way I've always explained it, man, yeah. is that I think I've got enough go fast in me. Yeah. I have enough of natural speed. Yeah. So any drug that was out there. You don't need help was, being social. I don't need help being social. Don't need help getting energy. 
Um, so any of those drugs that were out there that were designed for that just weren't for me. And maybe that's why meth never found its way into my, into me either. Uh, cocaine, we did, I did a couple times and never was crazy about it. Weed was my thing. If I, if I had a drug that I loved. Which is the opposite effect. And and I think that's part of it. I liked that slowdown. I liked the calm down, the being able to focus, not having the scatterbrain thing. Um, I weigh 150 pounds, so having an appetite was kind of fun for me for yeah. a while. It was a new yeah. thing. Uh, and so I, I just think it's to, to everybody has their own thing. To your buddy that that cocaine was like Christmas morning, that was something that for a moment, when that hit his life, it was it was something he needed. I'm not saying it was good for him, yeah. but it was like, oh, man, I've never had that feeling before, and now I've had that feeling, and that's a really fun feeling. I wonder if it was something like Coke, not that you're the Coke expert, but uh, I am in this is, conversation, is, it, is it one of those where you just have to do more and more and more and more That's to get, part to of get it, the effect? You, it, not even to get the effect, but you it's chasing the dragon. You've heard that phrase. Yeah. It is fun. You're Drugs. trying to eliminate the come down part of it? Yep. Not even, not even eliminate the come down part of it, Mark. Drugs are fun. You get a high from them. That's why it's called being high. And that's why they are addictive. Because when you do them, it's something different happens. It changes your reality for a moment. And you get to forget about all your problems and the stupid crap in life. Yeah. Right? And that lasts for this long, just a moment. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, it all starts to creep back. And you go, wait a minute. There was a thing that allowed me to forget about that. Yeah. And if, if I had to go out and stand in the middle of the intersection here and spin in circles to forget about my own reality... If that was the only thing we could do, you know what? It'd be a traffic jam out there because people would be <laughs> right. That, that's what people would do. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just think uh, it's it, it's one of those things. Teach their own. Does does oxy provide the same? I know oxy no. obviously provides a high. Would it? No. Not, I'm not asking if you've done oxy, but is it considered equivalent? No, I, I the oxycontin experience that I had in my life, Mark, was actually a really positive one, and it was prescribed by a doctor. Yeah. I hated the drug. Um, I had hurt my shoulder pretty bad, mm-hmm. and we and just to manage the pain, a doctor put me on OxyContin and I think Vicodin at one point. Yeah. And dude, again, it that made me too much of a zombie. I was working at Wells Fargo at the time. I couldn't focus. Um, I could not get my life in gear at all. Every morning I woke up and I was a zombie, and I'd pop these pills, and I was more of a zombie all day long. And it actually led me to a doctor who figured out what was, act- rather than just managing the pain, figured out what was wrong with my neck and back and corrected all of that. And now I'm, now I'm pain-free and off that. So, but I, so I've ex- at least experienced those drugs. Yeah. And, and in a way, they're like weed. They're an opiate, right? They're going to calm you down and um, kind of make you forget about life's problems. Yeah. They're going to make you feel really good. And I have a fear about taking any of that stuff. Yeah. Even when I got my wisdom teeth pulled, I think they give you something for that. Never, Probably Vicodin. Never, never took it. Um, it. It's just the, man, like I fear, like I, I like life. You know, I, you talk about proms. People take drugs to eliminate their problems. I'm more of like, let's let's figure this one out. Let's deal with the yeah. problem. It's just a challenge to overcome. Uh, it scares the crap out of me. To think I'm going to take this pill and then oh, man I'm going to get addicted and and downward spiral and all that. So my solution is well, I'm taking it. Yeah. <laughs> Just not taking it. And maybe I haven't been in enough pain where I got to that threshold where I'm like I'll take anything at this point. Mark, in a way, I think that doing drugs is uh, in, in a weird. And I know people are going to get pissed when I say this because this is a sacred cow for people that love it. It's like tattoos. Mm-hmm. 
you there's something about here and now that you're just not quite satisfied with. It, and I don't know, you can't even pinpoint it. There's not even the right word for it. It's just like, man, can I change this? Yeah. Can I do something to alter what this is? Because I, I don't, I don't like this anymore. Yeah. So can I smoke weed and I'll feel different for 25 minutes or an hour? Can I get a tattoo and I, I feel different and look different? Yeah. And then I get, and then this becomes the new normal. And then I decide, you know what, that's, not quite the same, and I need something else to change what this experience is. As a guy with a tattoo, I'm deeply offended right now. I forgot you had a tattoo. See, you know why you forget? Because you don't look at me and go, that's a tattoo guy. <laughs> you know, you don't yeah. think about it, you know, and, and you'd be right. Yeah. I, I'm not a tattoo guy. I'm a, not, I'm a non-tattoo guy that has a tattoo, but at least mine paid off. I was 18 and got my wife's initials, girlfriend at the time, <laughs> on, my, on, on, on my ankle. Like I had that moment of man, I love this girl. Yeah, this is a good idea. Yeah, good idea. And I was visiting a buddy. I think it was in San Diego, somewhere out there, and uh, got it. Just her initials um, in the worst script ever. <laughs> I don't know. Somebody talked me into it in the parlor. I guess. Now but hold on. You look at it. You can't so, even tell. So what's Katie's maiden name? Is Milliman. Oh, okay. So it's she, doesn't, she doesn't have it on her uh, on her Facebook. No, K M K M. So it's weird. Like my kids will, you know, I'll be wearing shorts and my kids will be like, oh, I forgot you have it. Like no one thinks of me as, as a tattoo guy. And what's interesting, um, and we'll wrap up here right at, right an hour, um, is I have thought recently about, about getting another one. And, and I guess the ultimate question is why have I thought about that? And the one that I thought about getting was some derivative of my children's names, yeah. like a Morse code type thing. Um, oh, that's a good idea. But it's just, it's just my kids are meaningful to me. I don't think I would, I would regret that. You know, I want my kids to be part of me for the rest of my life, right? There's no reason to be bashful of, oh, what's that tattoo? You're a bad person because you got a tattoo. It's like, no, screw you. It's my kids, dude. I'm totally fine. Yeah, with I, and I, Mark, I wouldn't. Uh, I think that'd be great. I, I have a lot of friends that have tattoos related to their kids, and I honestly don't even consider those the same sort of tattoo. Like, yeah. That's obviously something very meaningful. Um, there is a part of it. Okay, when we're watching The Last Dance with, with Eli, do you remember the part of, of The Last Dance when the guy asks Jordan for the autograph? Yeah. The guy, and, and Jordan just turns away and is like, whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the other guy jumps in and is like, dude, you don't do that. Eli looked at me and he's like, whoa, why can't that guy get an autograph? He was, was he media? Yeah. Okay. And I said, buddy, you don't do that. He's like, well, why not? And I said, Eli, the experience is supposed to be enough. Yeah. If you meet somebody and you get the chance to actually get to talk to them and be in their presence for a period of time, that's not the time to ask for an autograph for somebody else. Yeah. Autographs are for a moment. Autographs are for, a, oh my gosh, I saw this person and I want to tell people that I saw this person and that's it. Meeting them is supposed to be something more meaningful yeah. and yeah. deeper. So that's how I look at because I've thought about the kid thing too with the tattoos and I'm like, you know, I'm never going to have a moment where I'm going to need to be reminded that I love my kids or that they're mm -hmm. there. So I just don't think that that's something, and not that that's the point of it. I don't think that my buddies that have the kids are like, oh, I, oh yeah, I forgot I have three daughters. Oh, look. Yeah. Um, but I just, I, again, the tattoo is supposed to be a, something that I just never. None of my kids would experience this now because of their ages, but I, but two, two possibilities. One, they're going to look at, if I got something like that, man, dad's stupid. He got a tattoo that just looks dumb. Or the other option is dad loved me so much that yeah. 
Right. He was willing to do this I think forever. Would, I think it would be the second. I think it was the man dad loved me. Yeah. Look Hopefully. Yeah. I, I Look at him there in his coffin. Did Still you, see that tattoo. I had uh well, yeah, I, I just when I, I don't think I've ever looked at a, I don't think I've ever had a person that passed and thought, idiot. <laughs> you always think the best of somebody when in that situation. So you'll be fine. They'll know you love them. Glad that guy's dead. His tattoos glad are stupid tattoos. Stupid. I don't have to look at that anymore. So glad. All right, everybody, that's it. Thanks, so Mark. This as is fun, as always, Ross and I started with what are we going to talk about, and we. <laughs> got an hour in somehow could do another one i don't know how we do it every week but uh thanks for joining us hopefully you guys enjoyed it too uh life will be back to normal soon by the way i don't know when nobody does but certain states are starting to reopen again hopefully i was um on a teals and everybody will be able to get out there and enjoy friends again soon but until then hopefully you enjoy us and we'll see you next week another episode of jump the shark is in the books Ross and I hope you had fun with us and we made your week a little better. If you love the show, you can help the show. Please subscribe to us wherever it is you listen to your podcast. You can also show some love by telling others about Charterhouse Real Estate. We have made it easy for you to talk about us by charging sellers a lot less commission. They will thank you for giving them our name. We truly appreciate your support and we will talk to you next week.